Welcome to Whoology, a real-world theology podcast that breaks down episodes of Doctor Who, hosted by myself and usually my lovely Whovian wife, Laura, but time travel, uh, time travel, that's funny, Um, (laughs) uh, sickness, infirmity, and other roadblocks have caused us to not be able to record this when we usually do, so we have taken one for the team and let... Mark joining us again. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Thanks, thanks for uh, filling in for Laura, Mark. Oh uh, yes. Well, I'm a poor substitute for your wife. Uh, Only in some areas. In, in being a wife, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but I think I can handle this. I, I think I'll be all right. Yeah. It'll so, be fun. so uh, really glad that Mark could join us. Uh, we actually have already tried to record this once and had technical difficulties. This has probably been the most difficult episode of any podcast that I have ever tried to record. So I hope that everyone, on some level, yeah. can appreciate yeah, that. Yes, so we, we hope you. Uh, so again, elbow grease. And yeah, motion. sorry for the delay. If you're listening to this way after the fact, then you don't even notice. You're just like, why are they talking and rambling on so much at the beginning of episode ten? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thirty minutes. Let's go. But <laughs> this is episode ten, and on this episode, we're talking in the in the forest of the night, which is episode ten of season eight. In this episode, we're kind of thrown into London. A forest has popped up overnight. And Danny and Clara are basically on a school field trip as chaperones, from the best we can tell, Mm -hmm. uh, trying to figure out what's going on. Clara's trying to find the doctor. The doctor is there. The doctor is trying to figure out what's going on. Lots of people trying to figure out what's going on in this highly odd scenario late in the season. So this is the last episode we're getting before our basically two-part season finale. So... There were some expectations that I had. I'm sure some expectations you had, Mark, mm-hmm. uh, going into this episode, especially with the arcs that we've seen Clara on, the arcs we've seen the Doctor on. So, how did this? Uh, what struck you about this episode? Did you like it, Mark? Did, uh, did anything stand out? What were your, what were your expectations going in, and how did you feel um, coming out? Of yeah, it? I mean, it was, it was one of those ones that you know you look for the preview at the end of every episode every week, and and you kind of are able to size up if you are going to be looking forward to the episode, or at least I am. Uh, and I wasn't necessarily looking forward to this one as much as I was looking forward to like Flatline. I thought that looked really cool, and this one just kind of seemed eh, okay. Uh, and for the most part, I thought it was eh, okay. You know, <laughs> I mean, I thought it was good in a lot of ways. I thought it was uh, you know kind of a little rushed and um, it, it, everything kind of seemed thrown together and a little easy at times, a little fairy tale. But you know, I, there was a lot that I liked in this episode. Not necessarily the episode as a whole was one of my favorites, but there's a lot of stuff in here that w- was some of my favorite stuff that I've seen at least this season. So, do you think it does anything in particular to prepare us for the finale, or does this kind of seem like a one-off episode? Like, how do, how does this strike you as far as what you expect from like a Stephen Moffat arc? Yeah, no, I thought it was gonna. I mean, we only got the thing right at the end, and and I'm not really sure. I the haven't thing really. With Missy. Yeah, the thing with Missy mm-hmm. and and just kind of her reacting to what happened at the in the episode. Um, I haven't really enjoyed really the, you know, kind of all of a sudden Missy appears and says one line and then we're supposed to like care about like what she means and stuff, you know, because like we got a little bit more from her in the first two episodes of like, welcome to heaven, this is what's going on. And like, you know, the second episode where the soldier died and appeared in the, at the tea room and, you know, stuff like that. The, the, the new stuff has just been kind of like, okay, I mean, sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, okay, so... I, I want to throw this out there, and you can tell me if that's how you feel as well. Okay. So, 
early in the season, the the overarching, the Missy, the Heaven, the Promised Land, how you know, however you end up defining it or the show ends up defining it, I feel was kind of tacked on, but it was tacked on in a way that had some kind of connection. Yeah. To the actual episode, yeah, and the late, the more and more the season went on, I feel like it was just flat out tacked on, yeah, and I didn't understand. That's what, yeah, you know, and that's exactly what I'm talking about. Like, I don't understand the tacked onness and why it isn't a little bit more there. Like, you know, if you look at Stephen Moffat arcs, they're, they've always been kind of a little blatant, a little obvious, and and that's fine. Um, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but like, you know, you look at Matt Smith's first season, you had the crack in the wall Mm -hmm. and that was kind of always there. And it was like, Oh, you know, like we, it was kind of like a lurking presence in the background. This is more of like, it had a lot of meaning. It it seemed in the first few episodes. And then all of a sudden it's just kind of taking the back seat, which rightly it should. There's a lot of episodes in the middle of the season that don't necessarily have to do with the overarching story. They don't need to. Um, and, and I'm, I'm still very much interested in her character, but you know, I haven't really felt any kind of like um you know overwhelming need to find out who she is since the first you know couple of episodes so <clears throat> you know it, and we've talked about what y'all have talked about I'm, i listen to whoology i am a fan uh, as much as a participant You're the sometimes one. yeah that's me <laughs> uh it's that download every week um you know and y'all have talked about like how uh the season is much more focused on clara than anybody else and how that's and I, I agree that it's not necessarily. I, I'd rather be focused on the Doctor. You mm-hmm. know, um, that's what this this incarnation of Doctor Who has been doing. And so this season has felt like a little bit of flip flop of that. Um, but uh, nonetheless, I mean, this episode I thought in particular kind of was a little bit more focused on the Doctor, which is what I liked. It at least allowed him to be more heroic than we've seen him in in this season, or at least, you know, actually in his lifetime so far. <laughs> well, that's really interesting that you, you describe, or at least you're seeing in this episode, the Doctor being heroic, because I think from where I'm sitting, mm-hmm. the Doctor, though he tries to be more heroic um, directly, you know, he doesn't run from anything, he insults people Less, uh, yeah, <laughs> not not completely, you know, uh, not, not that he you know, swings 180 degrees in the other direction, but he actually seems to start to embrace his desire to be the hero, right? After we've seen him definitely not be that way all season, and then this episode, even though he's trying to be more heroic, and I would characterize him, I guess, rightfully as attempting to be more heroic, mm-hmm. he actually does less than he has in any other episode. So we have the Doctor finally deciding to step into this role that we've expected him to be in. He's been in in the past, you know, the the classic Doctor. But 12, you know, uh, Capaldi's Doctor has not not stepped into that at all. He tries to step into it, and it doesn't matter. Well, maybe, at least that's what I saw. Yeah, maybe going back to, you know, uh, your question a minute ago, maybe this that is kind of setting up for the finale. Maybe he is going to be finally much involved and very heroic. And, you know, it's funny that we've had this kind of focus on Clara because the... And and I do like Clara's, you know, kind of like addiction to the Doctor kind of thing. I think that makes her um, companion... I know you disagree with this. I think that makes her companion one of the more interesting ones that we've had in this incarnation of Doctor Who because we've never had it so much in that regard of, like, you're addicted to the Doctor and can't let go. Mm -hmm. Uh, I thought that... I think that's a really interesting way to go with that. I've enjoyed that so far, but the Doctor's evolution this season is is far more interesting than Clara's. And and that's because of the way Capaldi has set it up to be this, you know, he's going from this curmudgeon that, 
you know, thinks of all of humanity on Earth as pudding brains. And now he's kind of starting to, we see in this episode, at least, you know, and I know, you know, the execution of it is not done very well, um, but he, he, you know, because I think we'll talk towards, you know, about towards the end of the episode where it kind of falls apart with him kind of leaving and coming back and all that stuff. But we get more of him being the doctor here, I feel like, than we, and the doctor in the sense of how we think of it, um, kind of the Matt Smith, David Tennant doctor who are kind of like intrigued by humanity and kind of want to help it. I mean, he's still very much like, uh, you're annoying me, you know, um, but it, he's much quicker to um, kind of give in and help. And that's really interesting because, you know, we've seen this evolution over the season of him kind of going from, you're all putting brains, why am I even bothering with you, to recently kind of telling Clara, you know, I I am, I walk your earth, I breathe your air, I am part of this world too, whereas very recently he told her, I'm not a part of you, you get to make the decision and yeah, kill, he basically, kill the moon. He basically uses, in Kill the Moon, uh, well, in this episode he uses the, Clara's words from Kill the Moon mm-hmm. basically back at her, yeah. which is what we assume Clara would want him to finally realize and say, and at that time she has, she's not, not having any of it. Right. Um, and that, that kind of puts us at a good point where I can, I can drop this piece that Laura, when I was talking to her about it, even though she's sick and couldn't join us, she wanted me to kind of mention because she has this understanding of who the doctor is at his core. And I, I think her, she and I agree that even though the doctor has put on this outer shell of like not necessarily wanting to play the hero anymore, not necessarily understanding what his role is and being tormented by you know his past and the decisions he's had to made uh, had to make, we understand him that, or at least we're hoping that he is a good man. Like right. he's answering that question, he is right. a good man. Um, and when it comes down to it, even if he'll let. Even if 12 will let people die for the greater good, um, he's still looking out for the greater good. Mm -hmm. Um, Even if he can't save everybody, he's willing to not, at least on some level, not let the earth blow up. Yeah. He still cares, even though he says he doesn't. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, he's like the, he's lying to himself, but we can always, always see through it. And because of that, or at least our understanding of that, is when, when there's the scene where Clara basically tricks him to go back to his TARDIS in this episode, uh-huh. Laura's Laura read it as he was actually going to leave, and I guess that's why where she and I differ because I didn't think for a second he was going to leave. Yeah, um, but she would have preferred, and I think it would have actually probably been better than the episode turned out if he would have refused to go, give her given her this speech of. You know, this I, this is my planet. This is where I walk, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And then they never been able to figure out what the deal was, right? And basically sat there and expected to die with the planet he loved, mm-hmm. because this would have been consistent um, with the heart of things we would have seen uh, David Tennant do um, and yeah. Matt Smith do. You know, against all odds, he was willing to die rather than you know let things then then run away basically yeah it is interesting that they you know they throw this a lot around and uh, throw this around a lot in doctor who um at least this incarnation where they're like you know hey the the world is is going to end mm-hmm. <laughs> what are you going to do about that uh and it, that's a pretty heavy thing to deal with you know you got to think about the entire planet i mean he's basically saying this to them the entire planet is about to 
explode or get torched by this solar flare. I mean, that's a really heavy, heavy thing to deal with. All of humanity's gonna die. So, you know, you know, and I don't know if the doctor, we never get this, but I, I, when I think of the doctor, I don't know if the doctor ever really truly believes that's gonna happen, mm-hmm. you know, and so I think he acts accordingly to that. Um, it's just like, so, like, I, I agree, I thought the build-up was, would have been a lot better if, you know, in the, in the ending of the episode, if he was just like, look, you know, I'm, I'm gonna die with you, but I, I don't really think he ever believes that they're all going to die, you know, because we know as an audience that Doctor Who's going to continue and humanity's going to get saved, <laughs> you know. But in the episode, they don't know that, and so. But I think, um, I think, I think the Doctor always thinks that something else has to be the answer, and so, you know, I I, I agree with the build up. I agree at the end of this episode that the the execution was just not done well. It's like. Well, you should leave. Or should I? I mean, I don't know if I should. You should leave because we need to sacrifice ourselves for you and all that stuff. And that didn't really make any sense. It didn't work. Well, take because take a look at that in and of itself. Uh-huh. We have a, a a great shift in how Clara thinks, mm-hmm. which is one of my problems with Clara this season. I feel like there are lots of good ideas with Clara, but we never get to see the transition of her character to get there. Mm-hmm. And besides the the pointing out the addiction thing that we can see running through it. Um, even though I don't personally like the way that it's been done a lot of times. In Kill the Moon, we see her basically begging the Doctor to do anything. Right. And in this one, she's like, just save yourself. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't feel like that has been, that shift has been earned. Because I think if it was, I think she would be more indifferent to the Doctor. I think she would, she would have more of a meta understanding of the fact of what the audience does. Mm-hmm. We, we for the most part, realize that we've seen Clara be the doctor. Right, yeah. And uh, the doctor realizes that he's seen Clara be the doctor. Mm-hmm. But I don't think... there like There's been no like light bulb that, for at least that we've seen or we've been told as an audience, mm-hmm. that Clara understands that she's been the doctor. She still runs around and is like, don't you want to see exciting things? Let's yeah. go Let's go view this. Let's go find the doctor. The doctor will fix it. I, you know. And, but we, at some point, she's just like, oh, I don't want to be the last one. You go save yourself. Like That is, to me, really inconsistent with where it she's is. been. I think it would be a great place to get her to, uh-huh. but I don't think we got her there. Well, I mean, I, you know, it is an interesting. I don't know if they, they they didn't do it very well if they even intended to do it, but it's an interesting place for her to be, knowing that she's addicted to this and knowing um, kind of what they've portrayed as a little bit as the stages of addiction. You know, she's at the point where she's ready to give her life for her addiction. You know, she understands um, how much the universe and not just the human race needs the doctor. And so she is saying, cause that it, it is a little bit of, it is a little bit, um, uh, continuous with what she did in kill the moon because she's begging the doctor to just do anything. You know, he's saying in, in kill the moon, essentially that, that if you make the right choice, humanity can be saved. Um, and so she's saying, well, you have to do it. You have to take care of it. You, you save us. Whereas in this one, he's saying, um, you're actually, this time, you're all doomed. You're all going to die. And she's saying, well, if we're all going to die, then you don't need to die with us. She understands how important he is. So I think that's there. I just don't think that they've maybe executed it as well. And see, that's where I wanted to take a step back and be like, okay, 
So I want Moffat to come back and after the season's over being like, look, you don't understand it, but we just took you through like, you know, a 12 step program in 12 episodes or something like that. You know, like that, that's what we, we did and no one realized it. And so I was thinking about it and, and I realized that in this episode, this is the one where it's like, you know, no matter what you need to keep going. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and I'm hearing what you're saying, but to me that metaphor breaks down when it's like, uh, someone who's addicted. It's like, I'm addicted to cocaine and I realize cocaine is good for the universe. <laughs> so instead of getting cocaine for me, I'm going to make sure cocaine will always be there well, for everyone. Yeah. I would, which, it, which is, it not, does break down because he's not so much a drug as, as, uh, as an important thing you know i don't know well and that's the thing because i think they've said like you know how have you set him up how how does the doctor drug work right and i think the doctor drug works because he is a drug for her mm-hmm. not he is a drug for everyone at well, least that's the, that's the stories i've been that's seeing. a very but that's a very um uh religious imagery of she's addicted to something that she thinks can save all of the universe, you know, uh, she's addicted to a savior. And so she's addicted to a savior that she thinks, uh, if I have to die, that's fine. As long as you continue on Now, again, I don't think that was inc- totally intentional by the writers, but that's essentially the kind of, cause if, if they're saying that she's addicted, it's not, she's addicted to cocaine, which is just a rush, you know, a substance. She's addicted to a savior, and so that's very cocaine that's, will save your life. It, <laughs> I'll take your word for it. Uh, uh, the the panel of whoology does not endorse the use of cocaine, nor do we uh, endorse the saving powers of cocaine. This has been brought to you by Mothers Against Dri- Dri- or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, any something. It's like, like Mac that. Mothers Against Cocaine use. Yeah. Mac who? <laughs> um, so yeah, I think I think her her addiction is very. Uh, similar to, to to those folks who kind of give their life for um, a religious symbol and and think that they will they need to follow that to the end to their death. So maybe they're playing that up because they are dealing a lot with that with the death in heaven as being the episode the final episode title. We've got this idea of heaven and people going to some kind of afterlife or whatever yeah. it is. Um, that, that I hope they'll have a, a reasonable explanation for, but. Um, yeah, it's it's an interesting thing to kind of watch Clara, you know, do this and it and and kind of see where she came from, uh, you know, because especially with her being at the very beginning of the season, um, not sure who this new doctor is. Should I quit? I don't even think I should go on and, and all that stuff. So it's been a very way up, way down kind of arc for her. And I understand them focusing on that, but I just I think the doctor is more interesting. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and that's part of my problem too. I, I've loved the the companions having character arcs, but not at the expense of. Well, they were always on kind of on the back burner. It was always about more about the doctor and, and them kind of watching the doctor. And this has kind of been more been more about the doctor watching Clara. Yeah, and 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 like I said, I don't necessarily think that's bad. Mm-hmm. It's just not what I want. Right. You know, and, and I think in this episode, though, we got less of that. I mean, I felt like, it felt like we got less of that because, you know, I, I really, the whole Clara and Danny thing is just, they've, I don't, 
I don't, I can't see how anybody really cares about that because it's just <laughs> not been done very well. And, um, you know, we could talk about how that failed in this episode in particular, but, um, this one was more, you know, it opens with, where's the doctor? Where is he? I need mm-hmm. the doctor. You know, <laughs> he's that way. Uh, you know, <laughs> well, and, and I think I, I think I mentioned this to you before that, even though I understand dealing with the concept of being with the doctor as an addiction or Clara's art being like trying to discover who she is uh, apart from the doctor is interesting. And I think it's worth exploring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I use the, I use the, the analogy of like when I'm watching deep space nine mm-hmm. and all the characters have things that are going on all the time. And lots of the things that the characters have going on are, important to the larger story and to some degree worth exploring well at least in the later seasons yeah um and for some reason even though odo the shapeshifter on the station his story and relation to the founders and if you haven't seen deep Space nine this might not make a whole lot of sense but uh you know the founders run the dominion dominion's the biggest antagonist in deep space nine for the most part um that is something that has to be explored. Mm-hmm. But every episode where it was like, hey, here's Odo dealing with his founder's issues, being with a shapeshifter, I was like, ugh. <laughs> and I just, I just, I knew it was important, but mm-hmm. it just did not interest me as much as some of the other stories. And I feel like that's where I am right now with Doctor Who because I'm, I realize that understanding the, the the mental state of the companion and the relationship they have to the Doctor is something that needs to be explored, but it's not something, it's not what I would love to see them doing. Right. I would love to see them being like the conscious of the, the Doctor and then playing off each other and sharpening each other and, you know, moving about space and time, having fun adventures. But like this thing, I just felt like it has been drug out for quite a while. Yeah, it's an interesting, probably an interesting theory about uh, writing. You know, it's like the stuff that you have to do that has to be explored, has to mm-hmm. be explained. Maybe it uh, feels a little bit more, um, you know, like a chore than it is mm-hmm. like something you enjoy, and that's why the the better episodes maybe don't maybe don't deal with that necessarily. I mean, because that's like, you know, um, I may I've made the uh, analogy before of, of like this season has felt a lot like. Uh, the next generation, and where like all the filler we love kind Star of, Trek. we love Star Trek. Clearly, <laughs> you need to go watch Star Trek if you've never. Anyway, uh, particularly Next Generation. Um, but you know, it's kind of like a Next Generation. You had twenty six episodes a season, and like there was about ten in there that were just kind of meh or not very good. And um, you know, whereas but but the ones that if it had just been like a sixteen episode uh, season, they were it would have all been really 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 good. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we kind of feel like a little bit on that level with this whole season. Each episode. So it's a little bit of like a, okay, I mean, you know, that's pretty good. They didn't really execute it well. And <clears throat> and so it kind of feels like some of those filler episodes of Star Trek, which are still good and enjoyable and entertaining, but they don't quite reach the level that they could. Um, which is a little bit what I felt about this particular episode. And, and, and you know, I liked a lot of the questions that they asked in this episode, um, even though <clears throat> they kind of brushed over them and stuff like that. But, you know, it, it is very interesting to look at it from a, from a perspective of, you know, especially if, if they're doing a lot of that, they are doing a lot of this religious imagery throughout this whole season. Um, but there's a lot in here with the, the whole race of beings that create these trees and everything uh, that it raise a lot of really interesting questions of it, it's it's interesting I mean, we've talked in, in in the past on like the, the Doctor Who Christmas episode which is like Whoology Zero episode zero um, just about Doctor Who in general is made by a bunch of atheists you know basically so, so most of them are self-proclaimed atheists or agnostic or some kind of irreligious uh, mm-hmm. choosing um, 
that they come up with these ideas that are just very similar to um, like these beings are very similar to angels or or could be you know construed as some kind of religious spirit or something like that um, that are really uh, no more preposterous from a logical standpoint mm-hmm. um, than than angels or something in in the Bible or scripture um, and and it's just always interesting to me how how things are can be explained by someone who is irreligious and they're very similar to like well you could take that as a, as a spirit as an angel as a guardian angel or, or something like that because these these beings all we learn about them is that we've been here since before you got here since before time started and yeah. now we're gonna be here until time is gone you know That's until right. till the end of time and that is, as we see it, is is very, um, you know, that's God. That's the hand of God. That's uh, you know His protection over over our our earth at, you know, or whatever, however you, you want to see that. Um, I, I thought that raised a lot of interesting questions, and they keep putting these religious questions out there that they don't really answer. I don't think they need to. But I mean, do you think it makes it um, in terms of? I don't think it, we've seen a lot of that. Um, as as often in a Doctor Who season as we've seen it in this season. And where do you think they're going with all that? I mean, do you think that's just kind of like incidental, like we've talked in the past, like they just kind of come up with these ideas and they happen to coincide with religious imagery? And I mean, even, you know, atheists, you know, doesn't mean they don't know their um, you know, religions and, and they can, mm-hmm. you know, they, they, they so often pull from, from um, historical texts, as they would yeah, call yeah. them. <laughs> so well, I, I think that's it, it's not necessarily just incidental; it's in, in part purposeful. But this is a very interesting one that we got here. You know, well, I think one of the things that we love most about Doctor Who is the fact that they usually take things that we take for granted mm-hmm. and they explain them into existence, mm-hmm. and that's always a lot of fun. And, and I think what you see here is them basically doing the same thing with, you know, hey. They're explaining guardian angels, basically. Mm-hmm. They're explaining some kind of mystical force. Right. Um, and the the funny thing to me is just the backlash against giving anything any kind of spiritual significance. Because if they would have been angels that weren't killer angels. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. Stone angels you know, that yeah. uh, um, If they would have just been angels, mm-hmm. then like... People would have been like, this episode was dumb because angels don't exist. But people are completely cool yeah. explaining away the same thing as long as it's fantastical and they don't have to say that it is necessarily real. Mm-hmm. And I think that that conflict is something that I wish more people would, I guess more people would explore. Because like I said, science fiction makes its money on explaining things that we don't understand or showing us things that we can't see. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a great genre. And I or, wish they would be like, well, what happened? What, like, in a universe that anything's possible, mm-hmm. um, why can't this be something that is is real? Right. You know? Yeah, and, and, and on the flip side of that, sci-fi also takes things that we see all the time and uses something completely fantastical and preposterous to explain it. And so there's a little bit of both of that going on here, and it's interesting that you know we have something that is kind of crazy to think about. I mean, we don't really get a, a true explanation, but, you know, you know these these beings are are basically like lightning bugs that are invisible to us unless you have a sonic screwdriver and you know then they they like sprout trees all over the earth to protect it from a solar flare so and that 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 
um, also means that they have this kind of Im- not only immortality but all knowing sense because they know that there's a solar flare coming. Mm-hmm. They also have this kind of like ability to uh, communicate with you, kind of uh, cerebrally. To well, it's what Maeve says, right? Maeve, it's Maeve's like, like you know, they're talking to me and they showed me that this was going to happen on this date, and so they know the future. You know, it's like it's it's a very interesting uh, a, a creature that we've yeah. discovered here, and we don't have time to really go into it but it's right. almost like that that faith and understanding of a child that you know we're called to yeah um, and that's uh, why that's that's why I thought this episode did really well they really let the children kind of bring out the the faith and the nature of of what we think is the doctor we believe in the doctor the doctor can help and all that stuff they really focused on the innocence of the children and that was good and and I thought that helped this episode be a little bit more grounded in doctor who-ness mm-hmm. that that we haven't really seen sometimes in this season just because it's Clara just being crazy and yeah. just the doctor's going to save everything. And it's like, you know, um, it, it was good to go and see, you know, the doctor just being the doctor. Because anytime you get a kid, the, the, the doctor's more likely to just kind of get that quirky doctoriness that we like so much. Mm-hmm. And, and so I thought I thought they did a really good job. It was a good thing to kind of, because, you know, then you had the, the kid. It was like, uh, you know, aren't you, you should be talking about how the TARDIS is bigger on the inside and all that stuff. She's like, uh, trees just sprouted up out of nowhere. We're not really uh, impressed by anything anymore. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so the, nothing surprises us. Yeah, the ability to embrace uh, the fantastic. Yeah. Uh, which is what I think most Doctor Who fans have. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Unless we're having to confront with something that we're accused of being real. Mm-hmm. And the realer we make it, the more we don't want to talk about it. Right. But, like I said, we're already at time. Yeah. And we still need to hit dislikes and likes really quickly. So, Mark, what? give me give me a thing real quick about what you didn't like about this episode. Yeah, I mean, it, it just kind of was a little rushed and, and not executed well. But it, it, primarily with the, the whole kind of back and forth with Danny and Clara, just didn't enjoy it. It was, it was the most annoying that it's been. Uh, in this episode, uh, as it has been all season, so I just didn't really and the um, and the tiger being very anticlimactic and the wolves and I mean I could buy that those creatures were I guess you know rolling around maybe they escaped from the zoo or something yeah. um, from the trees but just real anticlimactic and I just I thought that whole scene was just kind of unnecessary. <laughs> um, uh, I would say that at the end, uh, Mabe's sister Annabelle, when her return mm-hmm. happened, I think it would be an example of many things in this episode that didn't make a lot of sense, kind of like what you're talking about with the zoo animals. Yeah. Great ideas, not fully explored, Yeah, um, not really explained, yeah. just kind of thrown in because yeah. it was a good idea at the time. Um, and I didn't hate it, but I wanted it to like go somewhere with it. Same thing with Mabe uh, and her classmates giving the message to the world, like, okay, great, but did it have an effect? Did anybody yeah. believe them? Or, it was you know, did way it, too easy. Did it develop them? No. Uh, and then, like I said, the same thing. Danny and Clara, um, the, their their conversations. You know, Danny made Danny seems a very straightforward guy. Yeah. And when he says something, he means it, and that's that's the basis of his character. So when he says, "Clara, if, you know, just don't lie to me, and we can be together," and she and he like knows she's lying, and he's like, "Well, I'll come back, tell me tomorrow." Completely inconsistent. <laughs> don't understand it. Which is a shame because I like him in this episode. Yeah, I lo- love Danny. When we see a film and his kind of nature with kids and humans, I mean, he just kind of gets it and he's nice and yeah, enjoy just, him. I, d- I have no idea why Danny is hanging around with Clara at all. Like, <laughs> it ain't worth it. Like, yeah. you know, like, there are pretty girls in the world, but most guys know that, like, you know, crazy ain't worth it. Crazy ain't worth it. Yeah. Nope. So, nope. all right. So, what do we like about. Uh, and, um, well, let me stop and say, just so we don't get misogynistic like comments. Okay. The same thing's true for women. 
You know, if you find a pretty man... Oh, yeah, crazy ain't worth it. And if he's too self-involved or yeah. too whatever, yeah. ain't worth it. Exactly. All right? I mean, so crazy any, in any sense is just not... Yeah, you know, crazy ain't true worth crazy, it. true crazy, like Claire is apparently true crazy. Yeah, crazy ain't worth it. It just ain't worth it. Um, I really like that uh, the doctor got to be the doctor in a lot of instances, and particularly the scenes that were in this one were so enjoyable just the beginning where you know she's like help me and he's like it's that way and he you know he finally he, you know realizes this girl's actually in trouble and she's like i need the doctor are you the doctor and he said yes do you have an appointment you need an appointment to see the doctor and and i love just seeing capaldi just you know enjoy that mm-hmm. you know you can just tell he's just enjoying performing that and then um probably the best ex- one of the best explanations by far of the tardis that we got of you know, you know how it's like when you drink a Coke and it's got this much sugar in it, but, you know, it's actually only this small. And he's like, yeah. that's, that's, it's kind of like works a little bit like that. That yeah. was just a really great explanation of the TARDIS. You know, anytime you throw a kid in there, it just kind of hits at the heart of yeah. your childhood, you know, because that, they explain it in a way for, for a child to understand. It just makes it just really... Um, Approachable and, and likable and wonderful. So yeah, that was that was really great. I, I would say that line in and of itself about um, you know you, you the cokes are this big, but there's this much uh, that much sugar in it. Mm-hmm. That, I love even though it seems like a almost like a cliche or, or pandering almost at, a, at some point. I love the running joke of like having to describe the TARDIS. As bigger on the inside in different ways to different people. I, it's I it's it works for me every time. Yep. Um, it sh- it shouldn't. I should be like rolling my eyes, but it always works for me. Um, so I love that, and I loved. I like I said, I love Danny Pink. I love his character being, uh, just embracing his character. Yep. Like I think his characterization has been great. I think I understand what he's about. I think I understand what he's been through to some degree. Um, I think I understand where he what he wants now, at, at least in, except for the fact that he's somehow with Clara still. Yeah. And I think I understand what he wants from life in the future. And I think that's really hard to do, especially as little we've seen him. I like him so much. I wish that he was the companion. I think him and the doctor would be great together. I think he would yeah. be I think he would be amazing with the doctor mm-hmm. in the current state that the doctor's in trying to wrestle with like what he wants and what he is. He'd be a great companion. He strikes me as a mix between Donna and Martha. Yeah. Not the Donna of like I don't really care that you're this superhero kind of thing that people worship or whatever. And then the Martha kind of thing of like gung ho, I'll do anything to save anybody. Yeah. You know. And so yeah, the, his people focus like I think he would be he's a great foil to the doctor and I would love to see them travel together and just get Claire out of the I just I Claire Claire is so problematic to me right now and so uninteresting um that I I would just love you know Danny and and the doctor having these conversations all the time about what's most important and who's going to do what. When we wrap up the season, I'm, we're going to have a big talk about Clara. Yeah, we're going to have. I'll give you my we'll, thoughts about. Yeah, Clara. We'll, we'll be we'll, we'll, and we'll do that after the season. We'll, we'll have a, a season follow up episode um, before the Christmas episode, so we can after we find out later today actually the the first right, uh, yeah. the first piece of the thing so or the finale. So with that, uh, we are wrap up. We're a little long. I appreciate you sticking with us. Um, I just wanted to say that if you want, if you, uh, we appreciate Mark, and if you want to appreciate Mark or keep the conversation going with him, you can follow him on Twitter at Mark Wingdinger. Um, you can follow me at Fizzification. You can, as always, follow Laura at Laura uh, underscore Fissel. You can follow the show at, uh, well, you can follow Real World Theology at Real World Theo. And if you want to connect with this show specifically, you can go to Real World Theology. That's R E E L WorldTheology.com slash Whoology. You can download the show on iTunes. You can comment on the page. 
uh, just keep this conversation going. We don't have time to hit everything. Mm-hmm. So we kept it short. We want to. We don't want to complete the conversation. We want to start the conversation. Right. So if, if there's something we miss or there's something you disagree with, that's awesome. That's what we love about the show. It's not straightforward, stupid American comedy. This right. is like... This has depth to it, and we want to keep that conversation going. So I want to mention, and uh, we are very grateful that our theme song was written and recorded by Sindar and Relic. If you want to find more about Sindar and Relic, you can go to soundcloud.com slash Sindar and Relic. And as we leave, we want to remind you yes. to always take a banana to a party. It's must. Let's do it. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.